I'm Mandy. And I'm Jessica. And this is The Coop. You're listening to The Coop Homeschool Podcast. This is your podcast for community, humility, and joyful fun in homeschooling. This is episode 45, Summer Reading. Time to talk summer reading. Fun. Yep. If you haven't made your list, we're going to talk about ours and hopefully we'll um, inspire you to add a few new titles to your summer reading. Awesome. Yeah. But before we get started, um, let's get some scoop on the coop, Mandy. What you got? Well, I think we have a shared one, oh, don't we? we? Do. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. Our girls are going to be in a talent show together. Yeah, super fun. They're going to be doing the ukulele and they're going to be on stage, and it's at my church. Yep. They wrote an original song for it. I love that. Yeah. And it's a worship song, yeah, which they, is pretty sweet. Yeah. They did the words and the chords. Yes. And they've been practicing. Mm-hmm. And then they, you took them shopping, and they picked out matching outfits. Yeah. Costco. You know, every girl's dream shopping spree. <laughs> Luckily, they're nine and know no different. So. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, that's like where my daughter wanted to go. You're right. She already knew. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah cute yeah very cute yeah so it's going to be sweet we'll probably post updates about that as well and keep you apprised of how the talent show write a whole blog about it the joys of a talent show yeah we'll see there might be drama yeah who knows so far it's been great right so far they're having a blast which is what i hope it's about Mm -hmm. you know and i hope they continue to have fun but and i love what a talent show can do for you yeah and that whether it's you know via zoom because we did a virtual talent show last year just getting up and performing kind of helps with that social anxiety and fear of people. Uh, what's that fear called when you get up in front of people and you're just afraid? Anxiety. Yeah. yeah, it just helps develop that skill. Right. I remember I used to have that fear and then I became a teacher. Right. And I used to have a fear of praying in front of people. Oh, yeah. And then because I was t- teaching at a Christian school, I actually had to pray. I got to pray. Before, yes. At the beginning of each period, and then it just became normal. And then once I was done teaching at a Christian school and was not doing that anymore years into it, then I was like nervous to pray again yeah. in front of people. So it's just a funny thing that happens when you get out of the routine of being in front of people for whatever reason. Totally. That fear and anxiety comes right back. It's really weird. That's crazy. Yeah. All right. So let's talk summer reading. The fun thing about this podcast coming up on a year is that we did a summer reading podcast last year, mm-hmm. and that's episode five, and we shared, we each shared three books that we were either in the middle of or hoping to read, and so I thought it would be fun to start with a little recap. Yeah, I love so, that. Yeah, what 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 did you choose last Well, year? I did The Brave Learner. Yes, you did. And I'd already started reading it, and mm-hmm. it had all these wonderful things to say about it, and then we actually finished reading it at the same time. I didn't actually finish it during summer. It took me all the way through, what, fall? Right. Until winter. But it was part of your summer reading. Yeah, it was. And and I love that book. Yeah. And and there's a blog about it that we'll link on our show notes. But it was, it's inspiring for a lot of people. Yeah. And that's where the term us schooling, I was first exposed to that. And I've been using that since. We even have a podcast. We reviewed the whole book in a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. The other book um, that I read, that I did read, was uh, Raising Sons to Be Men by yeah. Rhonda Stoppe, and I had heard her at a conference, and a homeschool conference, and 
about um, just, you know, breathing life and light into your son's life as he gets older and, and being a model and an, ex, you know, an example. And I don't know that I loved that book. Okay. I, I think I, I don't like as many anecdotes. So when a book oh, has a sure. lot of anecdotes, I kind of skim it. But I think it's still helpful for people who are mm-hmm. interested in hearing from a, a, a woman who raised sons. The third book was Quiet by Susan Cain. Yeah. And if you know me at all, you know I won't read a book that's over like an inch or an inch and a half. And this book is like, I don't know, two and a half inches. Yeah. I just pointed at one of Jessica's books. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's too thick. Right. And it's the, too much. And the text was so tiny. Right. Minute. Yeah. It was... And there's no space, not very much space in between the lines. So I didn't get that far, even though I still reference it sometimes. There was so much good stuff in there. But I kept it. I mean, I'll probably dive into it every once in a while, read a couple pages here and there. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So listen to that episode if you're interested in those books. Yes. So on my list last year, I had 12 Rules for Life by Dr. Jordan Peterson, which I did finish and I thoroughly loved. And I just found out he has um, a sequel to that. Oh. 12 More Rules or something like that. So Hmm. it's going on my list. Maybe not for summer, but for eventually. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Free to Learn by Dr. Peter Gray, which I love and I still use as a reference book. We talk about that book on Mm -hmm. here and we mention Peter Gray all the time. Mm -hmm. But I really loved that one. That was a really, a really good one for me to read last year to, as my daughter's getting older, to not be too worried about giving in to the pressure of education Hmm. and that it's a one size fits all model Mm -hmm. because it's not. And so free to learn was, is just a super helpful book for that. And then the final one was Dumbing Us Down by John Taylor Gatto. Gatto. Yeah. Yeah. I liked that one. I did finish that one. That was a nice short, you know, that's a quarter incher. So it's a really short. Oh, maybe I'll read that one then. I'll give it to you next. Um, I always like Gatto's quotes. When you look at homeschooling quotes, (laughs) the ones that I like I'm really provoked by... Yeah. It's very provocative. Yeah, it's yeah. really fun. And he was the one who used to be a public school teacher, wasn't yeah. he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he has a lot to say about yeah. that and his experience in it. But... The institution of Yeah, school. and yeah. coming out of that. He's the one who likens it to prisons yeah. often. Yeah. yeah. Like Hocus Pocus, the, right. the movie. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Before we dig into this year's, I just wanted to talk a little bit about reading in general because I know a lot of moms feel like they want to read and it's hard to find time and it really is Mm -hmm. and I've shared before some of my tools um because I think when my daughter was three or four I suddenly realized I hadn't been reading and it made me feel sad because I used to treat myself to buying a new book a week when I was a single gal you know and living alone I would that would be my Friday activity it would be to go to Borders and buy a new book and I'd just pick whatever I wanted off the shelf. You know, that was before the days of digital book lists and yeah. things. Yeah, I know. It's so fun to go to a bookstore. Yes, I love it. These days, I can't really, not can't, I don't really read hard copy books very often because the times that I have to read, I'm usually in the dark. Yeah. You know, my husband doesn't read books as well, so usually in the evenings the house is darker, which is fine, Mm -hmm. and I could certainly turn on a light to read by, but it's just easier not to, and I found that I read more when I have um, my electronic reading. So I have both a Kindle reader and I have the Kindle app on my phone, and I find I read a lot that way, 
And then it just in the past two years, audiobooks have just been my go-to. Yeah, totally. And so I bought, um, actually it was a gift for my husband. Mm. Um, he bought me Bluetooth earbuds. Oh yeah. And I only keep one in. So I always have the other one charging and I just use one. Um, that way I'm still listening for the children. I'm never completely unplugged. Um, and then I just rotate which earbud I'm using. It's so funny you said unplugged. But yeah. It's unplugged from the kids, not from right, the Right, right, right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm wireless, not unplugged. Yeah. So I have the, the earbuds and I find that doing the dishes, I can be reading. And it's such a valuable thing. I mean, I could be listening to podcasts and doing other really great things as well, you know, taking in information, but I just like books, mm -hmm. you know, so as much as I love listening to podcasts, I can only do so much of that. And so the books are really fun for me. Yeah. And so then last year on um, Goodreads, I don't, if you're not a member of Goodread, but you like books and you like tracking your reading, I recommend joining the Goodreads um program and um I have a whole book list and I've ha I've been on there for 10 years That's I mean so as long cool. as Facebook really yeah and so I have a whole profile on there I'll link my profile in the show notes so you can follow me and see what I'm reading but on the Kindle app as soon as you start a new book it automatically links to your Goodreads and will um, share that you started a new book. Oh, fun. And so it automatically logs what you're reading. Mm -hmm. Audible doesn't do that, I don't think. But I manually go in and add my books. And then last year, in January, it gave me the option to set a book goal for the year. Oh, I love that. And I was nervous because I hate making goals. We talked about this in the previous episode. I hate making goals. And saying them, because then it's a lot of pressure to live up to it, and I feel like I've failed if I don't accomplish it. Yeah, I didn't know you had that goal that whole year. Right. You'd think it would have come up at some point. Right, no. So I made the goal for 2020 to read 50 books. And I was nervous, because that's a book a week. Yeah. And I was nervous. But you know what? I included the mouse and the motorcycle. I included yeah, totally. the read-aloud books that we I read with my daughter. Chapter books. I haven't included picture books. And then I started reading. I mean, I reread Harry Potter last year. I reread some of my favorites. So I like to mix up what I read. So I read mostly historical fiction. And then I do like some fantasy and I like um, nonfiction. So then I have my nonfiction books mixed in there as well. And then it's been a goal of mine for the last five years to add in classics that I haven't mm -hmm. read yet. So a couple years ago, it was Pride and Prejudice. I had never read a Jane Austen book, hmm. and I thought I probably should. Yeah, yeah. So I did, and then and I that's did. That's a good one to do. It's a good one. It's not my favorite. Oh. I'm I'm a I'm a Bronte fan. Oh not yeah, an totally. Fan, you like the depressing darkness tragedies. That's Romantic what I like. Tragedies. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. What I like. Yeah. So yeah, way more of a Wuthering Heights Jane Eyre kind mm -hmm. of gal. Mm -hmm. Um, but. I also was mixing in, um, I tried to read Othello. That was a little too hard. I read that just a couple years ago. Nice. I was. They were showing it at the Globe. Oh, right. And so then we went and did that. It was actually for our friend's birthday, oh, and they cool. sent us all the book. That's fun. And then we read it. That's awesome. So I like putting those books on there, but I'm also okay when I pick it up. If it's just not the right time in my life to read it, that's okay. You know, yeah. it's still a classic. Shakespeare well, yeah, will be there read, forever. You read, um, was it Brave New World? I was dying to have Yeah, you I think 2019, I had already planned to read 1984 okay. and Fahrenheit 451, and then Brave New World okay. was on the list. But 
I don't know if we had talked about it before I had set those goals. And so that was the last one. And so oh, yeah. by the time you knew it was on my list, you're like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you were ready to talk about it. Well, and I so, just, I just bought Animal Farm oh, yeah, in 1984. Mm-hmm. Well. I think I did Animal Farm in 2020. So that was one oh, of my okay. 50. So by the end of the year, I ended up reading 62 books. Oh yeah. That's so awesome. I exceeded my total Good and that was job. fun. Yeah. And so I decided not to uh, rock the boat. <laughs> And I set the same goal for this year. Yeah, fifty is plenty. Yeah, it's um, awesome. Yeah, and so I'm already. Goodreads will tell me that I'm already ahead of schedule. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, so I'm eight books, I think, at this point ahead of schedule. Um, it keeps my challenge right here. So I've read twenty four or fifty books. Oh yeah, nine books ahead of schedule. I'm forty eight percent complete with mm. my goal for the year. And then you can look up your past challenge. So I do like that you can have this reading challenge. So if you're doing a challenge, come friend me on Goodreads and follow me. Um, what's taking up a lot of my time, so I'm glad in my head, is I've been reading the Outlander books this year yeah. and last year. Talk about big books. I haven't held one physically, but I'm pretty sure because they're between 32 and 42 hours That's to nuts. listen to. I, I would say the average book I listen to is between 8 and 13. Yeah. Uh, for reference, Fellowship of the Rings is 24. Yeah. And how many inches is that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I haven't picked it up. It's probably that many inches. It's probably oh, I'm two sure. Inch, it's at least four inches. to 500 pages. And so Outlander has to be more in the, the seven to 900 page range. That's crazy. It's crazy. Who is this writer? Diana Gabaldon. Yeah. She's, she's, she's still writing. Fan. So, okay, full disclosure here. <laughs> I guess I can't say I'm not an Outlander fan. I guess I have to just fan oh hard. Why? Yeah, I know, but, you, you know, are. I try to deny it, you know, like, oh, it's fine, but I like it. <laughs> but I'm also such a sucker for historical fiction, and so they're Tolt. in the revolution right now. I'm the reading, Battle of yeah. McCulloch or right. whatever it was. I'm reading, which book am I reading? Am I, I'm reading book... Eight, I think, um, of Outlander. So mm-hmm. I'm on book eight already. So you can imagine how many hours of reading that is. That's crazy. And um, that should count. Each book should count as a couple books. So what's fun is I realized at the end of the year, it tells me how many pages oh, I read. Cool. So it counts the audiobooks. Well, it counts it as the, the regular book. It doesn't yeah. matter. So it'll tell you how many pages you re- read. So even though my book count was lower than the average page size of a book, the page count was huge because of. Um, these Outlander books. But anyway, I was saying that I just read The Outlandish Companion. Oh, my word. <laughs> which is The Companion Guide. Who are you? I know. Who I become. <laughs> um, I read The Outlandish Companion, which is the the guide to the first four books. And now there's she has more Outlandish Companions for the next four books. But it was really fun, so fun because it's not just a summary of those books, which is a great, helpful recap. But it also gave some insight into her process. And so she's a fascinating woman. She had a career in technical writing. She has degree, multiple degrees. She's this really cool person then decided to make it a goal to write a book and to test out her writing skills. She came up with Outlander. That's amazing. And then to talk about how she's she just writes. really into the Scott. Is it Scottish? Not necessarily. That's just Hmm. what happened. And then she rolled with it. Hmm. So it was really cool to kind of just hear her background and all that stuff. So anyway, all that to say, I'm still reading out more Outlander. That's and, awesome. Um, I don't know when I'll stop. See, I could go on and on about dystopian books. Right, right, right. 
What was that book that you loaned me and there was they were clones? <gasps> Never Let Me Go. Yeah, that was really good. That was oh, I love that one yeah. by the Japanese author. I can't think of his name, but I and what's love so, that one. What's so actually sad is I read that one book about North Korea. Um, oh shoot, what was the name of that? I'll link it in the podcast. And it's true, it was written by a journalist, but it just felt like a dystopian novel. Right. Because it's so unreal. The life is so unreal in North Korea yeah. to this day. Right. So I do love me a good dystopian novel. Yeah. But now that I've read the classics, you know, then yeah. the classic dystopian novels, reading the newer ones, you can see so much of the inspiration and the variation. Mm -hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. I just reread Hunger Games last year, too. Oh, yeah. You know? I need to read that. Oh, yeah. Well, they came out with the prequel. Oh, yeah. And so oh, I, I reread yeah, them read because that. of the prequel. Should I read the prequel first? Yes. Well, you've read the old ones? I haven't one? read oh, any of them, okay. but I've seen oh. the movies. Well, I would recommend reading The Hunger Games first. Okay. The prequel is definitely set up to be read afterwards just because of the the difference in the character change, mm. the overarching change in character. Um, and it's written better. Yeah, okay. So when I reread The Hunger Games, I was actually disappointed that I felt like it was poorly written. Oh, funny. In comparison, at least, to the prequel, which so the was written several years refined later. her craft. Or Something. His craft. Or she gave it a different voice because the story, the, the narrator is different. Mm. So Hunger Games is told in first person by the main character, I believe. And so um, you're talking about a teenage girl's voice. Mm -hmm. And so then... The contrast of the two books being told by different, or the two, the prequel and the Hunger Games series, I don't, I can't tell if it was the voice that was telling the story that was so different, mm -hmm. or if the author had really kind of refined and changed mm -hmm. her writing style. I'm not sure. Well, I, I always love to find out what happened of how something got that way. So right. you, you already know, like Handmaid's Tale, we already know how it is. Right. And so the show, what was fun about the show is they would go back in time right. and show you how it got that way. Yeah. Even though it wasn't the author's doing, exactly. it was still fun to see. So I didn't watch the show, but I did read Handmaid's Tale. And then I just saw that The Testaments has, is, out. is out. And so I just borrowed that as well. Oh, yeah. so oh we should read it. I have a huge time. long list of yeah. books to read. Well, I'm reading Outlander right now. Okay. <laughs> but, but I do have The Testaments for when I'm done. Okay. Um, so I have it ready to go. But yes. Let's read it. Yeah. Get the fun. audio. Let's dive into this year's summer reading. Do fun. you want to choose your first book? Yeah. So I bought, uh, I just bought it, Mother and Son, nice. The Respect Effect by Emerson Egerix, PhD. And it's a Christian author. And uh, I saw a friend on Facebook post this said, if you have a son, every, you, every mother who has a son nice. has to read this. Okay. And I'm going to read something that I just looked up today. <coughs> oh, gosh. <coughs> I, don't, I haven't worn this in ages, so there might be dust on it. Because <coughs> I wasn't doing this with the right. other shirt. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so I'm going to read this. <laughs> What they found uh, in research is that if men were forced to choose between feeling alone and unloved in the world or feeling inadequate and disrespected, 74% would rather give up love if they could keep respect. 
with just 26% saying they'd rather give up respect in order to be loved. And so he go, goes into how important respect is for a man, and that man is inside your son. Yeah. So I thought that was um, That's a neat really thing great. to learn as a yeah. mom. And I'm excited to see what it teaches me. Yeah, it's awesome. And I, I don't know much about boys. Yeah. I never had a brother. Right. You know, I'm just married to one. But yeah. I, oh, there was a quote in here. His wife said if she had known about this when her kids were little, she would have been a totally different mother. Wow. And I want to know it now. So yeah. I'm excited to, have to, to read that. this. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, my first book is 1944 by Jay Wink. And this one made my list because last year I ended up getting so excited about Hamilton, you know, being available on Disney Plus, the musical Hamilton, and then getting so excited about learning more about that time period because I'm a huge World War II historical fiction fan, mm -hmm. but I've never really gone back that far to the revolution time period, mm -hmm. and so I was curious about it. And then it got me started reading. I read a George Washington biography, and then I read um, The American Story, which is a collection of different historical biography authors and or biographers. <laughs> and um, they came to talk about the revolutionary time period and these different important, well, it wasn't even specifically a revolution, but it was about America and these very influential people, presidents and others, or the president's wives sometimes. And it was just fascinating to listen to and ended up recommending it to your husband. Oh, okay. And he read it. And then we talked about it when we were camping. Oh, fun. Yeah, your husband and I like to talk books. Um, and so that led to me hearing these other authors talk about their books when they talked about these historical people. Cool. So Jay Wink was one of them. And so this is 1944, FDR, and the year that changed history. So this is really exciting. I'm really excited to dig in because this is my favorite time period. Oh, definitely. Right. Yeah. So I'm excited to read this and kind of just hear that perspective and learn more about FDR because I don't really know much about him. Yeah. I know all the surface level things that most people know. I really don't know anything about any historical figure. I have to say. <laughs> I loved my George Washington biography. I loved reading it. That's so it cool. was I was fascinated. And now in Outlander in book eight, Jamie oh. Fraser just spoke to George Washington. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Is this magic treehouse or what? Right. So we spun in our treehouse and there we are in the revolution. So uh, it's just super fascinating to me and I love it. And I imagine Diana Gabaldon, the author of Outlander, probably read books like that or at least referenced them to be able to represent George Washington yeah. accurately. I think she read Magic Treehouse as well because <laughs> this is just an adult version of it. That's true. But they don't ever get back. So, well, that's not true. Well, either, we don't, you don't know. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, yeah. So that's my first book for the summer. Cool. Yeah. All right. My next book is actually one I've already read, but I have no memory of most of it. <laughs> and it's Smart Money's Smart Money, Smart Kids. And normally okay. I would not read a book again because I can just look at all my underlines. Full of it. Uh-huh. But since 
I talked about this in our planning our year yeah. that we're going to do money in a, in a major way with them. Right. I'm going to read it again and actually take notes on my laptop of things that I want to make sure I do with them. Right. Because they even have um, jobs for little kids, picking up toys, putting oh, dirty clothes in the laundry basket, making his or her own bed, that, those kinds of things. And then they have a list of like contributions the kids can make. They have, um, but uh, like jobs for older kids and tweens, you know, mm -hmm. vacuuming, sweeping, and then as they get older, babysitting, walking dogs. And so they have practical lists that I would like to utilize. And it's written by Dave Ramsey and his daughter, perfect, who's grown. So she's able to talk about things that they did, and <clears throat> there's some assignments, and there's. Uh, um, like slave to the lender, you know, talking sure. about debt and things like that. And right. so if I do get those, um, or I plan to get those Dave Ramsey, those six books for kids, uh, then I have the knowledge to actually walk them through it and talk about it. And I love content building books for my brain, just like the yeah. 1944 mm -hmm. book, your content building, and you're going to have that information available to you that you can tap into when you get to the 1940s, yeah. you'll be in, and you'll, and it's just helpful to build that that information in your head. Talk about saving for college. This is they also talk about saving for a car in here, and investing and things like that. So That's I'm awesome. excited to actually go through it and make actual notes, not right. just my underlines, and figure out how to incorporate them into our school year. Perfect. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. All right, my next one's a big one. I know it's on your list, too. Oh, yeah, totally. Charter Schools and Their Enemies by Thomas Sowell, who is a um, well-known economist. And um, he's an African-American economist. And he talks about charter schools and what they bring to helping level the um, educational playing field mm -hmm. in different socioeconomic areas. And so charter schools allow for school choice in areas where there isn't any. Right. You know, in a lot of affluent areas, parents can choose to take their kids to the school down the street or to the better one across town because most of the time they have the means to get them there and get them home and all of these things. So anyway, he talks a lot about that. Um, I love that he's an economist. That's my background. That's my um that was what I studied in college. And so I love hearing how he thinks and how he talks about things. And then this, I mean, essentially, this is really a book about school choice and why people fight mm -hmm. um, both for and against school choice. And this is another book I talked to your husband about because um, I think you guys bought it at the same time I did. We bought it at the same time, but your husband is the first of us to oh, actually listened, read it. He listened to right. it like within a couple days right. and then said, oh, I know a book you would love to read and it's this one. Right. And I started to listen to it too. And uh, the the data and the research that he did is the first couple chapters. Yes. And yes. then, it, but then it was due back to the right. library. So I, I didn't get to finish it and I want to because right. I actually referenced it a lot. Right. And as just, I, I love who it's written by. Mm -hmm. I love that he uh, basically leveled the, the, the variables, making sure yeah. that the charter schools that he researched were met in the same building as traditional yes. schools. 
So there is no confounding variables with neighborhood and nope. and building and things like that. And and so he goes into all that and and then I didn't get to the rest of it. So right. I'm excited to get to the rest yeah. of it. And I'd love to actually do a whole discussion about right. it at some point. I actually couldn't read it when I first got <laughs> it. And this is what I talked to your husband about because then we were at the Coop Christmas party uh-huh. and he and I ended up in this, not a heated, we weren't on the same side, but we were just both feeling, you know, like furious about how yeah, these things happen. But anyway, I didn't read it because I just felt so anxious about it because it's so infuriating to yeah. see the fight against oh, such hard so evidence maddening. that charter schools really do so well for so many people. Yeah. And we're not talking the homeschool charters that we're a part of. I'm yeah. talking... In Inner general, city, yeah. charter schools, any charter school that offers a choice within yeah. the public school For system. the vulnerable population. Yeah, particularly. And so to take that away. So anyways, we should definitely yes. both read it and dive to have a whole discussion about it. Yes, we will. Um, so I love mm-hmm. this one. And actually, I think this week, there's a big bill in California going up. Yeah, um, AB 1316. Yeah. And that's potentially threatening charter schools in California. Well, I left phone messages yeah. and wrote letters, yeah, and same. I did get a response from oh, an nice. assembly woman okay. uh, from District, District 75 and said she totally believes in school choice, and she really appreciates my my feedback about it. And, and did she say how she was voting? No, it was, just, it was probably like a, a what's it called, a, a template that she sure. sends to, you know. Everybody. Yeah, but... Yeah. She says she totally believes in school choice, and we'll see how she I votes. said school choice will be basically eliminated if they oh, for sure pass that bill. Hundred percent. Yeah. So check out that bill. It, yeah. It's in California. It's in California, and by the time this episode <laughs> airs, it yeah. will have passed or not. Yeah. So. <laughs> but it's important to know that if yeah. these things are happening in other states, they could come to yours. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it's a very timely book as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. All right. What's your third book, Mandy? All right, so my third book is called Mean Girls, Facing Your Beauty Turned Beast. And it's written by Haley DeMarco. Okay. She's a Christian author as well. And she, this book was given to me by my friend whose daughter is now like 22 years old and a wonderful girl and a wonderful mom. And she said she uh, walked her daughter through this book as well. But I'm reading it for me. Right. So that I have the content, like I was just mentioning. I want the content. So uh, basically, this book explains why girls are cruel and shows you how to deal with them and stop the cycle of mean. Okay. And there's these five, four bullets. They, uh, the book will show you why some girls treat you the way they do, what God thinks about your mean girl, why hanging out with a mean girl is bad for you, and how to move on and find new, more healthy relationships. So I don't know if there's any mean girls in our kids' lives. Right. But they will encounter them. Sure. We know that from being female ourselves. And who knows, maybe they're the mean girl. There's Inadvertently, those tendencies absolutely have the opportunity to come out once in a while. Right. And I was just looking through here, and it seems like there's a lot of helpful ideas of how to face, you know, of how to respond to someone when they're being mean to you. Sure. So this goes with the social-emotional emphasis that I have for this next school year. Mm -hmm. So I thought I might as well equip myself and take notes on it, and then I can address it this year and then also be ready to address it for future years um, if it were to come up. 
Awesome. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. All right. My third and final book um, is called Awaking Wonder, Opening Your Child's Heart to the Beauty of Learning. I have it because it's my Kindle version, so it's here on my iPhone. Um, it's a beautiful cover, and it's by Sally Clarkson, who is well-known in the homeschool community. She speaks a lot with the um, Wild and Free oh. homeschool group, um, and she's she's Christian. She's raised several children and homeschooled them and just has a lot of wisdom mm -hmm. and such a beautiful outlook on homeschooling and such joy in it. I love following her Instagram. She's just super fun. And oh, she, cool. she just... What's her handle or, or... Oh, I'm pretty sure it's at Sally, Sally Clarkson. Clarkson. Yeah, so we'll um, we'll make sure we put that in our show notes for you. But mm -hmm. I'm really excited to learn this or to read this one just because it just sort of, you know, we all end up in our own echo chambers, right? Yeah. We talk about that. But I really want to just be able to hold on to making sure that the education is based on the beauty of learning. And so I love that that's a part of her title or, yeah, a part of the title and just really kind of seeing how I can keep using that to inspire my children to learn, not teach them to learn. Yeah. yeah so that's, that's my cool. hope with reading that one. I don't, I don't know much more about it other than I'm excited to read it and it's on my list. Yeah. I'm wondering if I have that book. Sometimes I buy a whole bunch of these sure. books I see on Instagram and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to get back to it. And then right. I go on my shelf and I forget I even right. have it. I, I found it because she was running a special on it. And I think I saw it on her Instagram. Um, she was pro promoting a new book and then ran a special for 99 cents for the Kindle oh, cool. version. And I said, mm -hmm. done, take yeah. it. So yeah. now I have it, which means I can go through it leisurely and highlight and do all, all I need to do with it. How fun. Yeah. All right, so those are our summer reading books, and I'm sure there'll be more, and I'm wondering how far we'll get through them. You I know. know. There's some, some lofty goals here. Um, but we are going to segue into our segment, the Coop Q&A, where we answer your, your questions. questions. Um, so today's question is, how do you organize all of your homeschooling supplies, like paper and pens and paints? Okay, well, I'll go. Yeah. I have these carts, you know, mm -hmm. you see them all over Instagram. Yeah. So popular right now. They have the little cast, the four caster wheels. Mm -hmm. I got two white ones and they have the, each tray has different things, different types of paper, different mm -hmm. one tray, one of the levels in the yeah. cart has a place to put the scissors and the glue, kind of those little caddies yeah. and the caddy fits right in there. And that comes up higher than the edges of the tray. Oh, perfect. For that mm -hmm. that cart. So the the scissors and the glue and the tape and the stapler are all there. And then on the top, I have, I'm looking at them now, <laughs> I have the colored, you know, a, a, a bin of colored pencils, a bin of uh, Sharpies, a, a, another caddy that has a bunch of stuff. And they'll yeah. they'll pick up the caddy or they'll pick up the, the little bowl of or cup of pens or whatever yeah and then they'll they'll put them back when they're done perfect or I can wheel over the whole cart yeah you know to where they're, where they're sitting in this room at least and yeah it's it's fun it's messy but right. it's all right there at least they know where to go yeah um in my house I have the Ikea cube storage so um in my homeschool room I have what is it like a four by Five, I think. 
So I have five cubes across and four tall. And um, the lower two across, um, I have the actual bins. And uh -huh. so in there, that's where I keep the paints, the office supplies. So each bin's a little bit different in what I have there. Um, I started doing, um, I did aluminum cans. And then I put chalk paint stickers on the cans and label them. So I literally keep our cute pens in there and mm -hmm. pencils and keep those kind of organized on the different shelves so that they're visible and we see them. Um, and then paper I have um, on a shelf next to the cubes. I have my printer and then I actually have paper sorters. So I have paper sorters for the different paper for the printers, the cardstock and all of that. Um, and then in the shelving, I have their different art pads and notebooks and mm -hmm. all the things. And so I like them all to be available. So mm -hmm. like with yours, with the, the carts, everything's just there, right? It's ready. It's available for them. They know where it goes when they're done. Mm -hmm. Everything has a place. Um, and then I like the bins because not everything gets put away nicely mm -hmm. every time. The bins slide right in and I don't have to see yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I do keep our paints in a in a plastic container yes. in a closet that's mm -hmm. in our school room and with the paintbrushes and I keep them up high because that's the one thing I don't want them to get to the acrylic paints. The, the watercolor paints are totally accessible sure. in the yeah. cart with the watercolor brushes, but yeah. the acrylic paint, that's probably the only thing I make inaccessible, inaccessible to them. Yeah, that's good. Well, that's an easy answer, and I'm, we'll um, share more about our homeschool spaces with you as well in our show notes, so you can check out what our spaces look like. Yeah, we have a whole podcast about it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, if you have a question for, for us, you can email mamahens at thecoophomeschool.com. Yep. Or you can check out our podcast page at the website at thecoophomeschool.com. Fun. All right, so, and we'd love to hear about books you're reading yeah, this summer, too. Yeah, let us too. know what so, we're missing. Yeah, if you have a good, you know, content builder or homeschooling book or whatever, yeah. we'd, we'd love to know about it. Any Secret Outlander fans out there? Thanks for listening. We love your support. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, leave a rating and review to let us know how we're doing, and share our podcast with your friends who need a little community, humility, and joyful fun in homeschooling.